0: Welcome, everybody, to the Magic Beans podcast. We are back again for episode number 45. We'll be continuing our Evergreen series tonight, and you've just got me and Chewy. So, how are you going, Chew? I'm good, mate. How are you? Uh, yeah, pretty good. A little bit odd with only two of us. After uh, recent times, we've had almost all the beans together.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, they just couldn't keep up with our brilliance, and they were just like, oh, if it's just you guys, you know... <laughs> No, no, that's not true. Everybody's busy. This is our off week. I, uh, but yeah, we gotta we gotta get the content out, and because uh, if we don't, if we don't get something out, you know, people will start uh, asking you passive aggressive questions, asking when the when the episode's out. So let's uh, get on the front foot and get that done. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sounds good. All right, so yeah, we do have a, a good topic for you tonight in in our Evergreen series. But before we get into that, just mention quickly our sponsors, Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar. They uh, they provide us with the funds so that we can do awesome things like giveaways and run the sweet leagues that we've been running. So make sure you go and check them out. You can find them on Facebook. Just jump on Facebook and search for Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar and you'll find them there. And, yeah, pick up some absolute bargains on their daily auctions, as I know you've been doing, Chewy.
1: Yes, I have been. Um, <laughs> it's, it's fun to... Uh- we're, I'm working from home and I can see the letterbox out my window as I'm working and every day when I see the postie come, when he stops, I'm, I'm pretty excited by that. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it, it is it is really good. So uh, And, uh, yeah, jump on there, win an option, tell them that the bean sent you.
0: Absolutely. So, tonight uh, we've got a topic that you flagged that you, uh, you really wanted to talk about and I don't know if this is something that you had in mind for a specific reason or you know just something you've been wanting to talk about for a while but we're going to talk about card evaluation so what on earth is that yeah so is is that just working out how much cards are worth
1: yeah this this is not an mtg finance um podcast no um so this came out of a uh a conversation that we were having whilst we were doing our uh, league coverage and i can't remember the specifics of the conversation but uh as we were talking through one of the matchups, uh, some of the commentators had, you know, varying thoughts, differing thoughts on, on a particular card in th- that one of their finalists played. And, you know, I just had like a bit of a moment. It's like, oh, well, you know, people have different um, evaluations of certain cards. So I thought, oh. Then you know you put two and two together. And it's like, oh, we've got a podcast. Oh, that does an evergreen series. Oh, you know, <laughs> you know the the little neurons in my brain are firing. Finally,
0: mm-hmm. light globe goes off. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, so yeah, I thought, yeah, why not? Let's do a uh, an episode on card evaluation. Which to me, um, like if I was to define what card evaluation is, if this is a completely foreign concept to people, um, I would look at. Card evaluation as an analysis of a card in the context of of a format or, or your deck, and a way to identify whether that card is good enough for your deck. So that could be, you know, it's a it, it's a really powerful card, but is it too expensive? It's a really cheap card. Does it do enough? And all of those different you know variables in the format context in your deck context and in your meta context, whether that's the kitchen table or your local game store or a, uh, a Red Bull event or a magic beans, uh, league. Uh, so there's, uh, there's a lot of considerations when we evaluate a card and this is an evergreen series, but, um, the week that we're recording this for any future beans that are listening to this, um, We've just started to see previews of a new set, so there's a lot of card um, conversation and, and people's different valuations come out. So it might be a bit of a timely one as well right now, but mm. also whenever a new set comes out, something you can refer back to. So yeah, so there's a few things that you'd want to do when you're evaluating a card, especially if you've got a deck that you know exists, whether it's your favorite kitchen table deck, commander deck, you, the you know the tier one um, standard deck that you. A crushing ladder with, and then a new card comes along. You know, it fits your it fits your deck's um, strategy. It's a, a good, you know, mana cost. You know, it's the right colors, for instance. And you, <laughs> That's you a good could, start. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and you go, okay, this card is a potential card for my deck, right? Um, so, but then you have to weigh it up against what is the rest of the cards in your deck, right? So you you'll be going is this card good enough for my deck? And there's just wanted to kind of work through that a little bit. And also um, I I really enjoy limited. So uh, being able to evaluate cards in limited is um, one of the skills of drafting or building a sealed deck or or however you're approaching limited. So yeah, Um, and then another thing we'll touch on is, you know, those more niche cards. If something's situationally powerful, um, will that situation come up enough and that's probably where we'll get into the uh you know the the evaluation of uh does this card work in the meta or within the context of my deck so yeah yeah so,
0: so e- evaluating the card as, as you know that term would be used for other things you know it's obviously it's not just a magic term but you're sizing up a card you're trying to work out if it's good if it's bad does it fit does it not fit does it actually improve my deck all that sort of stuff you it's not just is this card individually on its own powerful it's is it also powerful in the context of how i want to use it and all that sort of stuff so there's a lot a lot that goes into it and yeah that can obviously be a uh a, a long process that might require you to actually, you know, test with the card and, and see if it if it does pan out the way that you think it does. Uh, and, and I guess that's sort of something that we'll get into as well. In when you're coming to evaluating a card, you can look at a card in a vacuum and go, "Oh yeah, that card's super powerful." But then when you compare it uh, or put it in context with the format, it may not actually turn out to be powerful, and it might just be a card that looks cool and doesn't do anything. So exactly. Yeah. And and sometimes you play cards just because they're great, like. They, yeah, sometimes they, you play them because they're fun.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. But this is, um, yes, yeah, trying to aim at uh, that. I guess the aim of this episode is to just get people thinking about those yeah, things. Absolutely. So we're not yeah, trying. Yeah. There's not going to be like a strict set of criteria on whether a card is good or not. Out of this, this is just going to be some. Thought processes. Share some of my thought processes, uh, and 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 to hear yours, and just kind of get people to start that conversation. Because that's when, if people are having those conversations with their their community, with their local group, uh, that's when you know that people will start to figure this stuff out. So,
0: yeah. yeah, and it's it's something that it fits for all levels and all, like you said, all all types of play. You know, whether you you are a kitchen table player or the spikiest person in the world trying to become a you know MPL player or something like that at all levels knowing how to evaluate whether a card is good or not is is going to help you uh, and he's going to help you decide whether you want to put that card in your deck so yeah good useful information for people of all all skill levels
1: I hope they find it useful, at least. Yes. <laughs> so, so if we've got, if you know, as we do currently, but as we get really regularly every three months or so, um, we start to get previews of, of a new card, and you know, everyone you get excited. Everyone does get excited, and um, you know, some people are excited by what's leaving as much as what's coming. But uh, <laughs> hi, Cracker. Um, so the. Um, so you you're seeing all these things, you know. You open up Twitter and you you see, you know, your favorite content creator um, shares a card, or you know, the the wizard's page, or whatever it might be, and and you see a card, and you go, okay, what what does it do? How how do you evaluate it? So what what's the first thing you look at when a um, when you see a brand new card? What draws your eye straight away?
0: Uh, probably the first. I mean, you know, you you sort of the first time you see a card, you read through the whole card, but by the time you get to the bottom you're going to generally going to have a bit of an idea if you've been playing the game for a while if it's just a vanilla creature that does nothing or if it's got a whole bunch of text and it might be worthwhile looking at a little bit more which we'll we'll get into you know you'll start as as you get through this podcast hopefully you'll get those sort of basic things stuck in your brain but Probably the most important thing that uh, comes into play when you're evaluating whether a card's strong or not is is actually the mana cost. So you start right, literally at the top of the card. <laughs> you ignore the name; the name has no relevance to uh, to what <laughs> whether a card's powerful or not. But no. the actual the actual mana cost of the card, and that's something that when you look at, especially at older formats, the mana cost is huge in, in in terms of how impactful it is on whether a card is powerful or not. So in a, you know, in, in limited, for example, like playing pre-release or, or sealed or, or actually drafting, the games tend to be slower. So something that costs a little bit more than it normally would, you know, like you play your, I can't remember what the card's called, it's like five and a black and it exiles a creature. You're never going to play that in a constructed format because that's too expensive and too slow but in a slower limited format that it, mana cost is is
1: doable p- premium removal if it, yeah, yeah exactly, absolutely exactly.
0: whereas you fast forward to you know a format like modern or legacy everything needs to cost one mana or less <laughs> exactly <laughs> you
1: get the exile target creature effect yeah yeah, yeah. Of, so the, oh, the for game, one the, white right yeah
0: yeah exactly so the, the games are much more compressed in terms of length and, and uh, the power is so increased that that mana cost really has a big effect. So mana cost is one of the first things that you want to look yep. at. Importantly
1: it... as well, though, not just how much mana, but the colour requirements. Yes, yes, absolutely.
0: Yeah, if you're looking at something that costs one and a black, that's pretty easy to cast. You can play that in almost any deck that has black mana. But if that mana cost is black, black, that's a much harder uh, mana cost to hit, and especially if it's the sort of card that you want to be actually playing, you know, on turn two, for example. Exactly. So yeah, yeah ma- mana cost has a huge, huge impact on evaluating a card, and straight away you can start looking at okay. You know, you, you've read through the card text and you go, okay, I've got the general gist of what this card does. Okay, now I'm going to have a look at the mana cost. All right, this card costs three mana. Well, I've seen this effect on other cards that cost one mana. So, either this card is doing something else that those cards are not doing for it to be worth three mana, or it's probably just not good.
1: Yeah, agreed. Uh, that's a that's a good heuristic when you like when you're first taking in that information on a new card. Um, and you will gain that experience over time where you can compare things. So, if you look at, um, I don't know, let's look at something like, what's the two and a white enchantment that exiles something? Ghostly Prison? No, that's the, the other one. The,
0: <laughs> Banishing the Light.
1: Banishing Light, yep. So, yep. if you look at Banishing Light, like that seems to be, you know, exile a creature and as long as this enchantment's into play. But if you see that for five, then you're like, oh, you know, it's obviously a lot worse than banishing light. So yeah. um, you know it's it's just you you'll gain that knowledge as your um, your own card vocabulary grows yes, over exactly. time. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. As as you play the game more these cards just stick in your head Yeah, (laughs) your brain ends up filled with all these cards and it's like why do I need to remember that (laughs) that I can't remember my wife's
1: birthday but yeah yeah exactly
0: (laughs) so yeah over time you you learn and you start to see the patterns in how they design cards and and the common things that you see on cards and yeah eventually you learn that not every card is meant to be constructed playable there are plenty of cards in a set that are just designed for limited play where the games are slower and and the higher mana cost is acceptable so yeah that's 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 probably a good way to start Um, where where do you sort of go next
1: Um, it depends on the type of card that it is but assuming it's a creature um i then compare the mana cost to the power and toughness so Mm -hmm. if it's a if it's a six mana one one um you know it, <laughs> it'd want to have some pretty powerful words in the text box right yeah. um but you know if if it's something that's you know close to parody, like three mana three 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 mana two three uh with an ability um yeah you start to kind of delve deeper from there but that's the second thing that i generally look at um is it is it something that if it's just a vanilla creature and whatever the effect or synergy that it might have, is it still a playable card on its own? And, um, you know, you want it to, you want it to be able to fit into your deck. And I'm thinking of this in a, in a limited context uh, for this example, I guess, um, is this good enough to, to make my limited deck if it had no text? Um, yeah. That's, that's a kind of a, a litmus test that I put onto, um, you know, any card that I'm, I'm drafting. And sometimes you have to just play what you've got. But, yeah, I always like to have things that are, um, you know, at least playful, playable cards if they had no other texts except a mana cost and parent toughness.
0: Yeah. So, so if you're looking at it from, more like, a constructed point of view, uh, like the example that you said, you know, if it's a five or a six mana 1-1, one, one, it must be doing something pretty powerful. So that's when you're going to have to look further at what what else is in its text box. What what's what else is going on here? There's also the opposite of that. If it's a one mana five five, you're going whoa! Hang on a minute, one mana five five. That's pretty crazy. What's what else is going on here? To, what is this going to cost me? That? Yeah, yeah. Yep. So there's there's that. You know, that's are red flags. So if it's it's if the mana cost and the power and toughness are really out of whack then there's, there must be something else going on there, and that's where, you know, a little bit more investigation is required. Uh, sort of taking it a, a, another step further in a constructed format is you can start looking at things like what's the removal like in this current format? So if, if we had lightning bolt in the format, so a single red instant deals three damage to any target, any creature that has three toughness or less dies very easily to lightning bolt. So, if you look at a creature and and it is say a three four, so it's got four toughness, all of a sudden it survives lightning bolt, and that can helping you know increase uh, how powerful that card can be because it doesn't die to the easiest removal that's going on in the format. So exactly,
1: and that translates translates as well. So if you're just a kitchen, not just a kitchen table play, if you're <laughs> a kitchen table player um, and you know you're you don't you're not worried about you know the best removal in a particular you know legacy meta or whatever it might be. Uh, think about you know what your friends play and, yeah, and yeah. you know what what do they use to kill creatures and you know does this card create a headache for them? Uh, yeah. And if it does, then you know it it continues along the card evaluation journey to maybe one day making your making the cut to be in your deck. So yeah, yeah.
0: same same applies for like you know commander. If you're just a commander player, what sort of decks with Different types of removal. Are your friends playing in, in that you regularly play Commander with? You know, are they playing constantly playing board wipes where it doesn't really matter, or do they play a lot of cards like Anger of the Gods that deal three damage to every creature and, and things like that? So, yeah, that that power and toughness can help you determine is that card actually going to be good for the purpose you are intending on using it for.
1: Yeah, and again, um, the same uh, type of example that you gave. If you've got a a, uh, a play group, or there's a lot of things in the meta that have high toughness, uh, then you know, anger of the gods is going to go down in value as far as making your deck. So if you play, against a whole bunch of X fours. You'd be looking at you know a three meta, a three damage spell going close, but not quite. So um, yep. yeah, you'll always sort of look at it from uh, from both perspectives. So yep. if we've got you know a a decent mana cost that you know is 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 playable it costs three or four mana two three four mana uh it's got uh you know say it's a say it's a a, a gray ogre say a, a three mana two. uh but it's got some text in 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 the text box so what are you what are you looking for uh with the with the text in that when you evaluate a card
0: i think probably the text is the it's probably the hardest one to evaluate because it is it's so contextual, uh with nice you know, <laughs> what's what's going on in the format and things like that. So and and there's such a huge range of what that text box could say, and, and that's where it's gonna come down to, you know, reading reading the text box, trying to figure out exactly what it says, and it might be something simple like when this creature enters the battlefield it deals two damage to something. And That's where I guess the context of how you're planning on using that creature comes into play. You know, if you're playing a mono red aggressive deck and you can play the, you know, Via Shino Pyromancer that we had a little while ago, it's a two mana, two one that when it comes into play, it deals two damage to an opponent or, or a planeswalker they control. Now, you're playing a mono red aggressive deck, so that two damage plus the creature that you get. Is really good that's exactly what you want to do but if you're playing say a, a black green mid-range deck where you want the game to go really long and and gr- you, know, you want to grind your opponent out if you have a creature that's three mana 2-2 two, two, and it deals two damage to your opponent it's probably not really what you want so, yeah, so
1: you, you need to see if it fits within your game plan yeah. and and or whether it fits within the game plan of, uh you know, existing decks in the meta. And then I guess the level three of that is looking at the whole set as it comes out and going, yeah. oh, there's a lot of these things. Oh, they're all yeah. wizards. Oh, they're all... And, and, you know, try to figure out whether there's enough synergy there for them to uh, yeah. Yeah. form does a
0: deck. It, is what it's saying in the text box, uh, does that partner up with, other mechanics or, or other things in the set or uh, cards we've previously seen or cards that are in your commander deck or, or something like that uh, or is it just you know Muxus <laughs> doing something broken or, or Winota <laughs> where you just go okay like this is a card that you build around you know Winota as an example okay I'm gonna put a whole bunch of non-humans and some humans in my deck and now I've got a deck built around this specific card it's it has a, a very powerful ability
1: yeah absolutely and i think the build around kind of leads into uh the expected play patterns so yeah, yep um go, if we use the that Vyashino pyromancer as a as an example uh where basically you're just trying to get your opponent from 20 to zero uh, as fast as your little mountains will allow <laughs> uh, the um how that fits into your deck uh, really matters. So if you've got uh, – so in, in to use that historical deck, or the deck in Historic, I guess, uh, as an example, <laughs> there is a Runaway Steamkin and the Viacino Pyromancer as like they're eight two-drops. So if another two-drop comes in, it's competing for a slot in your deck with those two cards. So it has to improve – on what those cards are doing to to be able to really make the cut, or your deck has to morph around the effect that 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 brings. So that's kind of, you know, deck building's a whole nother probably evergreen episode. (laughs) But um, but yeah just evaluating how it fits within your deck. Because if it's a really powerful effect, you know, you need to you need to be not just looking at the card in a vacuum, but looking at it in the context of of that deck. Is this is this card good enough for uh for the deck that we, we think it fits in, right? So,
0: yeah. 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 And, and and that sort of plays into one of the other points we've got there is, is archetype support. So is is it something where you can build a whole archetype like Winoda where you go, okay, yes, this, is, this has its own archetype or this has its own deck that it can spawn or this is a card that slots exactly into an existing archetype and that sort of stuff. And that's when you have to start looking at, like you're just saying with the mono red, okay, We've got a brand new, you know, one and a red creature. I, you know, this looks like it should go into the red deck. There's an archetype already there for it, but is it actually good enough to either supplant the existing two drops or knock another card out of that deck?
1: Yeah, and that's where you you made the point in uh, in the introduction there. Sometimes you need to test that as well. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yep. Yep. So
1: and it's there's so many there's so many you know. Because your deck's changing, so is everybody else's. So there's so yeah, many factors yeah. that you need to, uh, you know, need to consider in there. Yeah. There's also you know color support, uh, which we kind of did touch on. But you know, if there's a a, a red black deck that is uh, is is really good, and then there's a card that fits into this deck perfectly, but it's red green, uh, but all of the effects uh, just line up perfectly, synergize greatly with that deck. You know is are you able to do you have the mana base to be able to support that by adding that card and you know what support do you have there to to do that to add that third color and all of the downsides of adding a third color is that actually worth adding this new card in is it actually powerful enough
0: so yeah that's that's something that you see a lot in limited like you you draft that really good white red deck as as I always do but you pick up we, that that really sweet red black card and you have to weigh up, okay, for me to play this red black card, if it might be the only black card that I'm playing, is it worth me destroying my mana base <laughs> and having a horrible mana base just to play this card? Is is it actually powerful enough for that?
1: Yeah, it's that risk versus reward, right? And yep. and when you you know you crack your Evolving Wilds and get your swamp and and play that card and it wins you the game, it feels really good. But when you draw your swamp and not your mountain, and you can't cast half the cards in your hand, um, you know it feels really bad. So yep. uh, that you have to evaluate that that risk. So I think that's that's an important one. The yep. other the other one is it, the situations that the card is uh, is good in. So how flexible is the card? And I think about like the charms or those modal cards, and there was the the kaias something um that was the uh the effect from the ravnica set i can't remember what it was but it it made it made creatures it, it killed something and it exiled a graveyard uh but it was more expensive than you wanted it to be if if it did all of those things uh but then there are some other cards that are really just good at at doing multiple things like playing multiple roles, uh, you know, at, at attacking, defending. Um, they might give you card advantage. Uh, they might, uh, you know, they might lead to powerful effects on on the game later on. You know, that might be part of a, a longer term game plan. But yeah, how flexible is it? How many are there? Situations where this card is dead, or is this card always good?
0: So yeah, um, yeah, uh, like. The, the cards with the options, like you, you mentioned, the modal cards, like the the commands and, and things like that where it's costs X mana, but it has choose one of these and you've got three or four options or choose two of these or a, ca- a card like the classic card cryptic command that does everything that you could possibly want. That is you a good have, magic card, yes. Yes, you, ha- you have four options and you get to choose two of them and they're all pretty powerful and, and you kind of want to be able to do all of them. So... That's the sort of card that gives you that flexibility. And, you know, if, if you had, if you took almost any of those abilities from Cryptic Command and put them on a card, they're probably only worth one mana. Well, most of them are cards that already exist that are worth one mana or less, but you put them all onto one card and all of a sudden that card is, is much more powerful. Uh, You see it with cards that have like cycling, especially in limited. Cycling is a, like adding a mode to a card. You can play a card in your main deck like, what's the um, enchantment removal? From There's a recent set an enchantment removal that has- uh, oh, it's like wilt. one Yeah, is that the one with cycling? Yeah. But it's, yeah, you know, one and a green and you can destroy an enchantment or you can cycle it away. So it has two modes that you can use and that gives you more options, which makes it more powerful.
1: Absolutely. And it means it doesn't get stuck in your hand if your opponent doesn't have a, uh, a target for it. Yeah. Um, you know, you just turn it into a new card, you know, for two mana, which is over the course of the game, not that much.
0: Yeah. Um, now, yeah. You mentioned card advantage there, which. Uh, One of my favourite things, card yeah, advantage. Yeah. It comes yeah. in a whole bunch of different uh, varieties, card advantage. You want to go through those?
1: Um, well, card advantage is fundamentally when. You spend one card uh, and that one card accounts for uh, one or more, uh, for, for two or more cards. So it could be something like uh, Divination, which is a sorcery, two and a blue, uh, draw two cards. So you spent one card and some mana and you've got two cards. And then you've got things like uh, the classic Wrath of God. You spend one card and you might destroy, you know, two, three, four, ten 10. Of your opponent's creatures so you've spent that one card and it's netted you an advantage of greater than one card so something like um uro which is in in standard uro titan of nature's wrath replaces itself when it comes into play and then uh you then escape it and it comes in bang you're, you're up one card and then if you get in an attack in then that's just cream right so it's it's a great card advantage engine but card advantage comes from a lot of um a lot of other sources traditionally playing creature enchantments in limited is pretty risky because you know if you try to put your you know whatever enchanted creature gets plus x plus x um enchantment on your big green guy and somebody hits it with a, a removal spell then two of your cards are gone for the cost of one of theirs so they've gotten card advantage on you so i guess yeah in the context of card evaluation what are the opportunities to get card advantage or the risks of giving away card advantage so yeah you you could have sorry you go i'm just saying like if you've got a really powerful creature enchantment uh like the um armadillo cloak which is a classic card green white type creature gets plus two plus two has trample and lifelink um now, when I first started playing, my inner Timmy loved that card. Like it did everything I, I wanted, you know, it made my creature trample, it made it bigger and I gained all this life, it was great. But I was running the risk of a simple uh, spot removal spell accounting for two of my cards and I I, I lose that advantage. So it's a, uh, a risk versus reward thing in that sense again. And that, that is, I guess, fundamentally what we're looking at with um, card evaluation. You know, what am I risking versus what what are the payoffs? Um, As well as, you know, you can look at a, a card that, you know, says draw two cards, but I know, as you mentioned earlier, I get that on divination for three mana. If I have to pay four mana, five mana for it, like what else am I getting? Is it an instant? Am I able to replay it from my graveyard at a later point? Like it needs to have something else tacked onto that to, you know, justify that mana cost, I guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You, you often find some of the most powerful creatures that you get uh, in Magic are cards that replace themselves, like Uro. So you play the card, and when it comes into play, you draw a card. So you're neutral on the cards. You haven't actually got card advantage, but the card has replaced itself. So even if your opponent kills that creature, you haven't actually lost a card, but they've spent a card to kill that creature. So you have actually gotten card advantage. Yep. And that's, that's something whenever you see, especially creatures or just about any spell, anything that says draw a card on it, <laughs> you probably want to have a, a second look and just see what's going on there. And so sometimes you get a card like Revitalize, which I don't even know if it's currently in standard, but it's been around for a little while. It's you know one and a white, pretty sure it's an instant, gain three life and draw a card. Now, yes, it replaces itself. You get to draw a card, but paying two mana to gain three life is not very powerful. No. <laughs> not, not really what most decks are wanting to do. So, yes, There is does. a card
1: that does that. It also does three damage. So, <laughs> you know, that's... <laughs> a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but, yeah, card, card advantage. Anytime you can get some sort of card advantage out of a card, then, yeah, you, you know it's probably going to be pretty powerful.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and then if you have then, uh, identified that, you know, a card does, you know, one or more of these things that we've taken, uh, the, sorry, that we've discussed, then, you know, or, you know, multiple of these things, then, you know, it's going to be shortlisted to make your deck, right? It's definitely going to yep. warrant at least testing. So yeah. So I, I think, I think we've done a pretty good job of like pointing out the, the things that at least we look at when we evaluate a card. So, um, some people may be looking at that going, Oh yeah, I didn't think of that one thing. So maybe I'll think of that next time. So <laughs> ho- hopefully, hopefully, you know, we've helped there. Um, but you know, new sets come out all the time. Uh, you know, we're always looking for new ways to engage with the game and play. So we wanted to think about, you know, how, how do we get better at evaluation, evaluation of cards? So what are, what are some of the things we can actually do, apart from, you know, the things that we've discussed sort of so far about, um, you know, going through some but a bit of a checklist, a mental checklist of, you know, does this card meet these criteria? Um, what are some practical things we can do to just get better?
0: I, I think, like you mentioned it earlier, a limited limited play as in draft or sealed or or you know your pre-release or whatever even playing you know mini masters or pack masters or whatever anytime you're you're playing with a fixed set of cards and you're playing limited is a really good uh, time to be learning how to evaluate cards especially in a draft because you're you're evaluating cards on the fly yeah like you' yep. you literally you open a pack and you know if, if you're in a timed draft you literally have a timer counting down until you need to make your pick or it's the same if you're doing a draft on arena if you're doing a a a live person draft on arena or or magic online you actually have a timer counting down where you need to make that pick so you need to learn how to evaluate your cards pretty quickly so playing a lot of limited is going to give you that those opportunities over and over and over and over and over again to evaluate cards. And yep. by doing it over and over and over and over again, it's the same with anything else you do, you're going to get better at it. And as you get better at it, you're gonna do it quicker. And you're gonna learn how to very quickly skim through a pack and go, No, 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 no. Oh, yep, that card is actually pretty good. Yep, yep. And, you know, sort of go from there. So that's that's a that's a really good place to start.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I like the very quick anecdote, it wouldn't be a Beans podcast without a chewy <laughs> tangent. Uh, I I can remember a a Mirrodin draft where I looked at a card that was really powerful and a card that wasn't as powerful, um, and I went, I need this not as powerful card because I don't have enough two drops. So I'm not going to take yeah. this, like, five-mana really powerful card. My, my card evaluation was – this this two drop is actually better for me right now even though in a vacuum it's less powerful but in the context of my deck that two drop was much better for me so yeah i that was it's going back a long time but i i can still remember making that decision that was a little level up moment so yeah and it's something that is a uh, you know it comes with experience and i've been i've been a you know it, people that have listened to you know and any number of beans um, Podcast or know me in person. I'm a massive advocate for playing limited. I think it's something that we should
0: always do. Yeah, I, I don't play anywhere near enough limited. It,
1: it's hard. It's harder to play, and because uh, well, it's easier now than it ever has been, but it's still difficult. It's so much easier to just jump on and yeah. get your daily quests on Arena, <laughs> yep. uh, playing some best of one. Yeah, exactly right. So uh, another thing I think is is really important is uh, you can look at a card and go, "Oh, this could be really good in this," but like specific set of circumstances you know or you could go oh this card is really good but uh, dice the lightning bolt you know so (laughs) it's not good enough right so uh being able to make that discernment to go is this situation that this card is good in is that actually something that happens often enough to warrant this card's inclusion or um conversely it's like oh well uh, how many people are playing Lightning Bolt, and is this is this card powerful enough that you know I'm just happy to accept that sometimes it's just going to get bolted, right? So um, yeah, so don't, not focusing too hard on one end of that spectrum too much. So don't just look at a card and go, oh, but you know if this five card Magical Christmas Land happens, this card's amazing, and um whilst those things can be really fun and we i think we both played when we did the uh early access event for m21 there's the uh, the underworld dreams and whatever that other the giant enchantment is and that's a bit of fun and it was you know um it was entertaining to play but you know history has shown that you know, that card was not a player in the format, even though it had a cute interaction with a, a, another card that existed. So um, you can look at something and go, oh, this is really exciting. This is great. But you can also go, oh, this card actually, you know, it costs seven mana. I'm never going to play this. So, um, yeah, not focusing on the upside or the downside too much um, and sort of, you know, taking a more middled approach and um, yeah, a level approach is is good, I think. Yep. And, yeah, so what, what's next? What's, what's um, your next uh, little
0: hot tip? I mean, for, especially for newer players, listening to what other people say about cards and how they talk about new cards, like especially like like you're saying, Chewie, in, in preview season, that's when everybody's talking about the new cards and, and you know, you might see a card and go, oh, this card looks super powerful or it looks really cool or whatever, and then... You go and you know you jump on Twitter or you listen to podcasts or whatever, and either nobody's talking about the card, or anyone who is talking about it is saying it's really bad. Listening to why they say it's really bad or why they say it's really good, you might look at a card and go, you know, a, a card like Thoughtseize, where you know it's a it's a classic thing that people uh, make a mistake of. Thoughtseize is a single black. You look at your opponent's hand, they discard discard the card, very powerful, but you lose two life. So newer players can often fall into that trap and go, "Oh, well, I don't I don't want to pay this, play this card and lose two life, like I'll be closer to dying." But Thoughtseize is super powerful.
1: Thoughtseize <laughs> is great. Yeah. And, and it's
0: easily worth paying that two life for for that effect.
1: I, I could talk for an hour on keeping Thoughtseize in your deck against a mono-red burn deck. Yes. You know, so uh there's there's a lot of um uh, there's a lot that goes into cards like that, and you you've picked a, a, a good example there.
0: Yeah, but um, yeah, listening to you know if if you think that card is no good, and then all of a sudden you're hearing other people talking about, it, find out why they think it is so good, and take note of those sorts of things so that you can then learn for future card evaluation. So yeah, don't don't be afraid to listen to what other people say, but also don't take that as fact. Everybody will know that person at their LGS. I have a person in mind, and Chewy probably knows who they are, that uh, goes to a store that we go to occasionally, and they're that loud, annoying person that they know it all. And, you know, every card, ah, oh, that card's rubbish, oh, you know, you're never going to win a game with that card, all that sort of stuff. Why,
1: why are you playing that card and that yeah. card
0: together in the same deck? Yeah, yep. yes, those, uh, those one people. of my favourite memories. Yep. Yes, yes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, th- those sorts of people... Just because they're loud and they say a lot of stuff doesn't mean they actually know what they're talking about. So,
1: exactly, don't exactly.
0: always take what you hear people saying as fact. And, yeah, but you know, I, sort, I think, source your opinions I, from multiple places to get a, a bit more of a, an even uh, approach to what people actually think of that card.
1: Absolutely. And just before I move on, I just really want to reiterate the point that you made, which is the why. Don't just go, Oh, that I disagree with that person and yeah. walk away. Just go, Oh, hang on. This, this person thinks this card is, is bad. I think it's good. Let me understand why. Like that yep. the why exactly. is so important. Yep. Um, also uh, something that's important is just understanding the, of the, the context of when and how the card should be played. So uh, an example is a, a card that might, uh, cost only two mana, but its effect is better in the late game, right? Better in the late game than it, than it might be on, on, on turn two. So, uh, something like, um, you know, a, a Dark Confidant, right? Um, so, which is an Invitational card, a really famous, iconic magic card, costs black and a one, it's a two one, and it says, uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, reveal the top card of your library, uh, put that card in your hand, you lose life equal to its amount of cost, right? So, Bob, because Bob Marr is the uh, the uh, the guy who won the Invitational and designed the card, um, so it is a really it's a fine card to play on turn two, uh, but when Bob becomes really good is when you play Bob on turn four or five when you've gone into that mid and late game where both players have spent resources. Bob lets you pull ahead on resources, so it's a it's a understanding where they fit within your deck w- within the context of a format and how well the cards kind of stitch together with stitching with the other cards around them in the context of a game not just where they fit in the mana curve or where they um you know just because you can cast something on turn two doesn't mean it's always right to so you need to think about that so a bit of a game theory point but you know understand that oh you know this this two drop is not as good as my other two drops. If going back to the Shino Pyromancer example, but you know you want to play Runaway Steamkin and Shino Pyromancer on turn two, but you know a card like Dark Confident is also good later in the game as well. So it's a um, that's something that comes with experience, I think. So yeah, what else? What else can we do to uh, to get better at evaluation?
0: Um, yeah, like a. a- again sort of a new new player trap that we see a lot is people just always think that if something's massive, you know it's a it's a 20 20 creature that's going to be awesome, you know it's the best thing around and I, and I clearly remember myself as a young wizard getting a you know seven mana six six like a visadrix or something (laughs) something horrible like that and just going, man how could anybody ever beat this card like it's it's so big and so powerful and that's where you know looking at the rest of the text box and and like you're talking about the the context and and things like that where you go ah it doesn't doesn't actually do anything it's just a really expensive big creature that doesn't do anything else so yeah, it's, it's a, a trap that a lot of new players fall into, uh, and I've, I've just uh, thought of a, a classic, not a classic card, but a, a card that sort of exemplifies this really well. Is a, a, re- a card from a recent set called Colossification. So this is five green green for an enchantment, and it, it gives your creature plus 20 plus 20. Sign me and- <laughs> for everybody every timmy i think is the uh, the player type yeah, out there absolutely yeah i put this thing on my creature with trample and you're dead you know one attack and you are dead yep. and you know there, there is also another line of text on this card that says when it enters the battlefield you tap the enchanted creature so you can't just put it on your creature and attack and kill them you have to wait until you you untap and, and then you can attack and then your opponent just uses a removal spell on your creature and you lose that card advantage that we we're talking about before because both of your cards go to the graveyard at a cost of only one of their cards. So you it's very easy to look at these huge, flashy, massive creatures, things that look super powerful, and if you don't actually stop and think about how that would play out in a game when you're not in Magical Christmas Land... Uh, yeah, you're you're going to fall into that trap. So bigger is not always better, despite what you might hear, (laughs) especially when it comes to to magic cards.
1: Yep, exactly. Um, I I guess another point kind of related to that is, um, you know, do you need to untap with this card for it to be good? You know, is it worth the investment? And a card that's near and dear to both of our hearts is the original Niv-Mizzet. Right. The, yep. the, whatever he is. He's got a million names. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, the, the OG Niv, um, is really good if your six mana four, four lives to your next untapped step. And then you get to, you know, then it's like game on shenanigans. Right. But it's a, a tall order often for, um, for that to actually happen. So. I love the card. I've played it in Constructed. I've played it in Commander. I've drafted it in Limited. Uh, I love it. But there are times where my affection for a card has gotten in the way of, you know, success um, because <laughs> <laughs> because my deck's just, you know, not good enough. Um, but, you know, sometimes you're not playing to win. Sometimes you're playing to have fun. But, yeah, do, do you have to untap for this card to be good?
0: Yeah, and like a good example, a very recent example of that is a card called Elder Gargaroth, which when it was spoiled, you know, straight away people were like, oh, this card's super powerful. So it's three green green for a 6-6, six six, so it's a five mana 6-6. Six six. Okay, yep, that's that's reasonable. It has Vigilance, Reach, and Trample. And you go, whoa, okay, yep. Yep, so we powerful looked at the creature. mana... Co-
1: we looked at the mana cost, we looked at the power and toughness, we've looked at the text box. Yep. Tick, 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 right? Yep. So all, all this looking pretty good. Seems like a good card.
0: It, it has more text. It has whenever Elder Gargaroth attacks or blocks, choose one. You can create a 3 3 green beast creature token. You can gain three life, or you could draw a card. So everything on this card is good and it kind of lines up with what we've been talking about the evaluations of the card you know the mana cost for the power and toughness is good it's it's pretty easy to cast it has all these good abilities it does good things it has card advantage built in all that sort of stuff but it doesn't actually do anything the turn that you play it so you spend your five mana and play the creature and it just gets killed and it's done nothing you've paid five mana to do nothing and it's that same sort of thing like you were just saying with niv mizzet you need to untap with this creature really to actually get the value out of it now it is currently in standard it's starting to see some play in in sideboards and things like that but it it's a super super powerful looking card that doesn't really do anything fit. yeah yeah.
1: Yep. yeah and i guess there's um you yeah power creeps a whole nother topic because if that (laughs) that was printed 10 years ago um it'd be you know there'd be four of them in every single deck but uh yeah it's a uh a return on investment you know if if you play elder gargaroth and i you know just cast a heartless act you know i've spent two mana you've spent five um then you know i'm we move on with our lives and i've I've got an advantage there so it's a yeah i A really important step like that that card is a great example because it ticks all of the boxes up until the you know does this actually fit within a play pattern does this fit within uh you know an archetype does it have the flexibility do i need to untap with it so it's gotten through so many gates in our evaluation uh, and it's just stumbled really late uh, you know like the final hurdle so it's a uh it's a thing that it's you know you'll get just better at as you go, and you know as you get experience you you'll get better and better at that. And but there's also uh, just one final example. I know we've been going for a little while, but um, an example I wanted to bring out when we we're talking about experience is sometimes uh, a card might have been really good historically, and then it, you know it gets a reprint, and you know it's just not as good as it used to be. Yeah. Uh, and the classic example, example of that is Terror, uh, which was uh, first printed in Alpha. It's black and one, destroy target, non-black, non-artifact creature. Now, that card, just it's killed so many Serra Angels over the, over the course of the, the years, right? It's uh, just two mana, kill anything that really mattered. That card was reprinted in the original Mirrodin block, and it was like, oh, Terror. Terror is going to be good. You know, everyone's going to play Terror. But Mirrodin Block was an artifact set, right? Every second creature was an artifact. So Terra didn't kill anywhere near as many creatures in the format as it did historically. So looking again, it's just an example of you might have your own bias, for instance, you know, affection for the card or memories from a card, but the format and the circumstances in which that card exists uh, is it has such a huge bearing on your evaluation of.
0: Yeah, and you, you kinda get the other another sort of effect that you get by not understanding the context, you there's heaps and heaps of cards, like Elder Gargaroth, that sort of stuff that we see printed every every set that are super powerful, but they just don't fit anywhere. They don't fit in standard, they don't fit in pioneer or historic or modern or, or anything like that and those cards just do nothing it might be a really powerful card but it doesn't actually have a home to be played in and that's where understanding the context of the format and what's actually going on in in where you're playing and when you're playing and that sort of stuff using that as part of your card evaluation and not just looking at the card in the vacuum and going oh this card's super powerful yeah you know i'm gonna buy 50 of these cards because it's gonna be worth a fortune when it may not actually have a home you also then get the opposite of that effect where you get cards that are completely under uh undervalued when people are evaluating the cards and and even a card like which we saw recently Oko. when Oko was first previewed most people looked at that and went okay yeah you know it's it looks okay but it's not super powerful or anything like that and obviously r&d did the same thing <laughs> yeah. Ne- neck minute. and yeah, yeah boy were they wrong <laughs> uh
1: my, my favorite example of ever seeing that happen is uh there was a, a local melbourne player who loved his foils and Tarmogoyf got printed and he went i think this card's okay it kind of fits in this casual deck that i've got i want four of them and he bought four foil Tarmogoyfs for like seven bucks each and, you know, then within a month, people were like, oh, this card's really good. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> he pre-ordered them for next to nothing. So Yeah, and, and now yeah, they're worth a fortune. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's a, a really interesting, uh, you know, journey when you uh, start to, like, really evaluate cards. And, and uh, it, it'll help you in other facets of, of, of gameplay, like your deck building and, and your limited play and you know it actually bleeds into uh and this is a whole another topic but you know if you've got your opponent has two creatures and you've got one removal spell which one do you kill you mm. know ev- evaluating which one is the actual biggest threat is you know a skill that you know starts from you know spoiler season right preview season when you're evaluating cards so looking at it there will help you on your you know your magic journey whether that's just a you know beat your sibling or, or your friend across the table or, you know, taking down a PTQ or an arena open and, and, and going along that way. So it's a um, it's a really important fundamental skill um, that, you know, I've been playing this game for a really long time and I'm learning things about how to evaluate cards every time a new step comes out. So um, it's something you, you'll never master, but um, we can all get better at it.
0: Absolutely, and hopefully uh, you've at least taken a few pointers out of this episode. You might need to go back and listen to it a couple of times because <laughs> there, there was a fair bit in there, but... Put those skills to use. Start practicing it on the cards that you see as they get previewed in the the new sets, and then yeah, give give some limited a go and uh, try your hand at evaluating those cards. And I'm tipping you know if you if you were to do five drafts, by the time you get to your fifth draft, you're really going to start to notice that difference in how you evaluate those cards. So. Yeah, that's going to do us for this episode. And, uh, yeah, as always, we thank you for listening. If you uh, if you want to get involved in all the different things that we do, like our leagues and, and all that sort of stuff, which are absolutely going off, then the easiest way to do that is to join us in our Discord, which is always open for everybody to come and join no no patreon subscription required or anything like that so you can find the link for that in our show notes or on our facebook and twitter and all that sort of stuff Uh, we have a merch store we would absolutely love it if you went and purchased something from our merch store we obviously get a little bit of the money from that and that goes to help us keep doing what we do so again find that in the show notes Uh, If you want to find us anywhere, we are on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, all those sorts of places. You can just search for Magic Beans Cast, and you'll find us there. Look up Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar on Facebook and check out their daily auctions. Uh, If you want to find me, I'm on Twitter at Peace Inc. Chewy, you are? At Chewy MTG. Very good. And, yeah, that's going to do us for this week. So thank you again for listening. Stay safe out there, and we will see you next time.